0: Welcome to Silent Symptoms, a Black mental health podcast. I am your host, Katasso Fridge, a Florida based therapist. This podcast focuses on mental health, stigmas, and social injustices that affect the Black community. This podcast was created to bring awareness about mental health and can be used as an educational guide, but this is not to be used as a replacement for seeking help from a therapist. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to silent symptoms a black mental health podcast today on the pod we have Tracy Pinnock She's gonna be talking to us about how to heal from a heartbreak So she's going to be sharing about her experiences with us and as a clinician how somebody can heal from that So Tracy tell them a little bit about yourself Um, Yes, thank you for having me.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I have a private practice in Norwalk, Connecticut, where I work with women and couples, and I specialize particularly in helping women heal from heartbreak after
0: breakups. Wow, that is awesome. So how can people uh, learn about you? Can they go to your website?
1: Um, yes, so the best place is to actually go to Instagram at Tracy, and that's therapist.t-r-a-c-i-e. I do have a website, which is tphtherapy.com, but it will soon be under construction, so following me on Instagram is where you get all the details of what's going on. I have a, a number of things that I'm working on for this coming year.
0: Okay, awesome. So I'm going to ask you that again at the end, so mm-hmm. they can remember <clears throat> excuse my voice is kind of choppy it's going in and out so what has inspired you to start working with women um to help them heal from a heartbreak
1: um yeah it's uh definitely personal experience uh initially and then also professional experience as I've just gotten to work with more people and seeing that this is a need for me personally I went through a breakup with my oldest son's father while I was pregnant with my son, and that sent me into a depression that I realized really had the potential to kind of throw me off track for life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I came to the, the realization that I needed to do some deliberate healing work in order to um, to feel better for myself and also be able to be the best mom that I could be for my son.
0: Yeah. So now that you know that, that was a difficult experience for you. But as a clinician, did you recognize some of the signs um, that led to, uh, for you to, you know, have a breakup with him? Um, the, uh, the reason I ask this is because people forget that clinicians are people at the end of the day. Uh, they think that we have it all figured out and, you know, we all, we have the tools, but sometimes we're unable to use the tools effectively.
1: Absolutely. And so to that point, that's a great question. While I was in it, no, I wasn't like scanning and doing all this assessment of like <laughs> my relationship or anything. I thought that what I was experiencing was, you know, normal relationship stuff, the arguing and all of that. But what I've come to realize in hindsight is that it it's common, meaning a lot of couples do a lot of arguing, um, but it's not necessarily uh, healthy or normal. And what I mean is that in my relationship, we were, it was toxic in that we were both very defensive and always on the the ready to verbally attack one another. Mm. And that just created a whole lot of tension. Eventually it creates unhappiness. Um, so at the time I was just like, oh, this is just what it's supposed to be like. Now being out of it, that's absolutely not the case. Um and so no, I didn't see it uh clearly as I was going through it. Although I was going through my training as a therapist and had, you know, completed my um uh my testing. Yeah, I think it completed my licensure, all of that good stuff. But no, go being in the midst of it is definitely different from being outside of it.
0: Yeah, and this is why it's so important, you know, as clinicians sometimes people always come to us as family members like when we have personal gain in the situation it's really difficult to provide that insight because we have you know an investment in that particular person like girl you have to break up with him you have to leave him and it's so hard to do that because we're invested I could tell a client and give them all the tools but with a friend or a family member you know he's not any good you have to walk away from the situation and you know we have to I have to remind people, like, honestly, like, I'm not giving you, you know, information from a clinician standpoint. I'm giving you information as a friend, as a family member, and I just want people to remember we are human beings at the end of the day, and we still go through things, and we have to go through heartbreaks and healing, even when we have the tools to, you know, try to negate the issue or see the traits ahead of time. But when we're in the midst of the situation, we do not see it, so what gave you the strength to kind of walk away from the situation, and were you did you have any type of preparation prior to
1: um so yeah and and yes to everything you just said, by the way, I'm sitting here nodding my head because <laughs> I'm like, yes, yes, absolutely um but yeah i so in terms of how the breakup happened, I don't know that I had preparation. Well, actually, you know, you're asking, you're asking a good question today. I'm thinking about this. i like, well, let me think about <laughs> it. Um, okay, so this may sound weird, but there was like almost like a pre-breakup breakup, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Where we <laughs> like said, okay, let's take, I guess the whole take a break thing, except that the issue with us taking a break was that we were still living together and still living our lives like we were together. So in in words that's what was happening mm-hmm. but in actual behaviors that's not what was happening which makes it very complicated um and so that happened before me officially like leaving the house and like in and i have been with my mom so yeah. that so in terms of the idea of preparation there was this beforehand okay we're taking a break we're not together but kind of together thing and then there was that okay I have to leave I have to to get out so that's
0: That's how that happens. Yeah. So it's like, it's complicated in the household.
1: Yes. yes, Yeah. It's
0: really difficult to be in a relationship and then be on break and then live together. And as adults, it's hard for me to understand the concept of a break. I think a lot of adults, um, I think a lot of times when people take a break, it's for their own good or not so good intentions or it's a break where where this is actually a breakup. Maybe we need time for like six months to a year, no communication, we can't see one another and that's that. We'll see we can reconvene. Something like that I could kinda see, but when people actually say, Let's take a break and then they're still seeing one another and then hanging yeah. out every week. That's just not a break booth because then they're going to get their feelings hurt when somebody does what they wants to do. Because the person that usually if it's not toxic initiates the break is the person that wants to do what they want to do.
1: Right. Right. I, I agree. It, it's definitely not the, it's, it's just not the ideal way to do it. And um, in working with clients, I realize that that's something that comes up and part of it is a very practical reason financially and when it comes to having kids and all of these things, you know, put people in positions to not be able to immediately actually move to separate residences or things like that. So it can get really murky and complicated, which only helps, only hinders the healing process from the breakup.
0: Absolutely. And thank you for saying that because how can someone start on the journey of healing? Because that's the most important part of this because, you know, we can experience heartbreak, but a lot of people don't know how to move past it and how to do it properly. And so that they're not holding all of this baggage and are upset or they're not in a place of healing.
1: Right. No, you're absolutely right. So I see it as the whole, I, the way I think of, of the healing process is going from bitter to better. And so mm. what you just pointed out was when people don't do the healing, they can just end up bitter. Um, and it can just lead into really negatively impacting other aspects of their lives for, for a long time. I think that one of the things that we have to accept, so I guess to start the healing process is you have to accept your feelings, like Mm. really acknowledge, I'm hurt, I'm angry, I'm confused, I'm embarrassed, whatever those feelings happen to be. And I think there's a whole lot of us not accepting that. And I would say even particularly for black women, because then we start to bring in the whole strong black woman idea that like oh girl get past it you know move on forget him you'll be fine and sometimes it happens sure there are certain breakups that you know you just kind of go through you know the flow yeah it sucks but okay but there are some that may really throw you off and for me that was what I experienced and I realized that it became about more than just my breakup because now I'm depressed and you know, at the time I was pregnant and I need to make sure I was eating properly, but I didn't have an appetite. Like I had been let go from my jobs and I'm like, okay, I'm going to need money. Like all of these different things Oh my! really impacted like my yeah. motivation and my mental state just to do other things in my life. So it became clear to me that it needs to be addressed. So the first step is acknowledging I am hurt. I'm angry. This sucks. Because if you can acknowledge that, then you can then start to take the steps for getting the help that you need. Mm. The whole idea is if you can't acknowledge your problem, why are you going to do anything about it, right? Right. So that's the first step. And then I I think of the healing from breakup process in three phases, survival, maintenance, and thriving. And so when it first happens during a survival phase, so after you have accepted and acknowledged your feelings, you should create like a survival plan for yourself. And what that looks like is you thinking about what you need in the first few weeks or a couple of months of this breakup in order to just keep things together. Mm. So this is like, you know, parenting and childcare needs, you know, days off from work, um, you know, somebody to help clean the house. Like, I mean, any of those things that you know you're gonna need and impl- your emotional support, having a friend to vent to but being really thoughtful, like what do I need to get through these next few weeks or couple of months?
0: Yeah. And that's, that's a good point. I like that because yeah, survival mode. is like when you're drowning, but you're trying to swim and doggy paddle through the situation and, you know, having a support system, like having, you know, you, you can't eat, you can't sleep. You're constantly thinking about this person. I actually have um, one of my family members, you know, they call me like I cannot stop thinking about this person. This is the scenario. What am I to do? It's like, it's really hard to stop thinking about a person, especially when you're in a situation where you don't know what you want to do. Do I keep loving this person? Do I let them go? And it's like, There's not much you can really do to stop thinking about a person and you know, you have to think about what your needs are as a person and how you're going to move forward in this trying moment. And a lot of people don't know how to move forward and that survival is really important. You need help cleaning up. You need somebody to cook for you or you need something. And especially when kids are involved, it adds another layer because Mm -hmm. you have to be accountable for another human being. So not only are you accounting for your own feelings, you have to account for their well-being. You have to make sure they eat. You you know, when you don't have an appetite, it doesn't mean their appetite stops. You know, or just because you can't sleep and you're tired in the morning doesn't mean that you don't have to get up for them. So, and you know, like in your experience, yeah, having a, you know, being pregnant and then having to bring a child into this world is a very difficult scenario. And I see a lot of single women come into therapy saying, you know, this is really hard for me, work-life balance. I'm trying to figure myself out. How do I move forward? And they're in that survival stage. And then I'm hoping they get to that maintenance stage right after.
1: Yes. And so that survival stage is creating that survival plan for yourself. That also includes a communication plan if you are going to be co-parenting. So yes, if you do have children, you're going to have to communicate with the other parent. And during the initial parts of a breakup, that is a tricky time. Uh-huh. So I think, it, I think of it as a, a strictly business sort of communication, mm-hmm. um, where it's just like talking about what you need for the kids. Okay, I'm going to drop them off here and pick them up here. There's this, there's that, because it is easy to delve into the emotional aspects of it why did you do this when did this happen mm-hmm. it is right territory it's like landmines yeah not a good place to go in the very beginning stages because you can easily get off track with the parenting piece and doing what you need for your kids and just go off into all sorts of explosive arguments and things like that especially if it happens around the kids so the initial survival phase is just what do I need to do to get me and my kids or if it's just me through these next few weeks. Mm. Um, Then, you know, that's going to include things for most people like self-care. Again, make sure you're not socially isolating. and at least have someone to talk to about things that may be a friend. Maybe you end up seeking therapy at that time because maybe you don't feel like you have the support that you need. Um, But then going into maintenance phase is where you are just doing, where you are uh, keeping the status quo. So for instance, I talk about kind of distracting yourself Um, with the day-to-day tasks of things like parenting, going to work, errands, chores around the house. And when I say distract yourself, I don't mean distract yourself from your feelings on a long-term basis so that you stuff everything down and don't address it. I just mean the fact that life does go on. And so you got to get the bills paid and you got to, you know, put food on the table. So you it can help you have a little relief from the emotions when you are engaged in other activities that you know you need to do. I know for me, work was a big one, especially because I'd gotten a new job just as um, as I, so after I had my son, a couple of months after I had my son, I got a new job. So for me, that was very helpful because I had something to put my energy and effort into. Mm-hmm. And so for the, you know, those hours of the day, I was able to distract myself from the emotional pain for mm-hmm. at least a period of time. And we always need that little bit of relief.
0: Yes. I always suggest that and then it's like I always say fake it till you make it because it's really easy to get into a place of depression and not um focusing on what's in front of you and when you're so heartbroken or when you're depressed or have anxiety it's really difficult to get out of that mode and then when you have a new job you focus on that fake it till you make it if you're not happy yeah. this morning doing those affirmations and pretending like you're happy can go a long way and yes. I say it takes 21 days to break a habit so it could take you 21 days to pretend that you're happy eventually become happy mm-hmm. and being intentional about what you do every single day and you know um, I just want to kind of throw something out there i have a little question within what you're saying another question is that during the distraction uh, during the distraction phase i'd say like when somebody's trying to distract themselves is it okay for them to try to rebound and find somebody else to keep their attention like a friend because you know sometimes that's the advice people are giving (laughs) it's like yes find a friend Yes. So
1: you're you're getting into the good stuff. That's like, that could be a whole other segment. Yeah. But I've been asked this question before and the simple answer is yes, but there's a way more, there's way more complicated (laughs) aspects to it. What I mean is the long and short of it is you need to have a clear understanding of what you need and what you're looking for in that relationship with that person. And Mm -hmm. I say relationship as a very general term. I go into this whole thing of their relationship categories and it's it's very helpful to, in essence, label the relationships. I know so many people are against that, but labeling is what helps us know the boundaries and the yeah. expectations in a relationship. Yeah. So this whole, oh, we're not going to label it
0: thing, that's exactly how you get into trouble.
1: <laughs> like,
0: it's not you a good idea. You label can't do that. It. You can't do yeah. that. Yeah, you have to label it, even if like um, it's just a situation ship or we're, yep. we're just doing this. For and so I
1: talk about how, yeah, there's, there's everything from you start, you know, start out as strangers, like you don't know somebody, then you may go into acquaintance. Oh. Uh, then there's like, platonic friends, which means there's no physical intimacy, no romance. It's just the true definition of a friend. Ooh. Then there's friends with benefits. Let's make that clear and make that realize that's different than dating someone. And he's dating. You can casually date or you can then exclusively date and then relationship. So the friends with benefit ones, because I think that's a popular category these days, Mm -hmm. is someone who you very well may have a emotional connection to, have a physical connection to. But not necessarily having plans to build a life with this person, Mm. which is very different than being in a relationship where you're bringing two people together to actually go to life together. But the thing is, is that so many friends with benefit relationships, one person's over here being like, yeah, that's all it is. And the other person's over here like, oh,
0: maybe we can, maybe we will. And if you don't get that clarified between the two of you, it's disaster. I say that all the time. Because it's always that one person that wants more, whether it's the male or the female, it really doesn't matter. Uh, if people don't have clear lines of where they draw the line in the sand, then it becomes very complicated. Now, you're in a situation where you're in a horrible situation. Again, if you are the person that was hurt before. So you're right, defining those clear boundaries is very important especially you know i do understand because you know what sometimes when somebody has been in a long-term relationship having that person there for entertainment purpose or for whatever they need it for is really beneficial and i asked this question before it's like is it okay to assume that we are dating based on actions or should we um define this is a relationship or does the person have to
1: ask you Words should be spoken, because there are a lot of unspoken assumptions between people. And I see this, you know, at its, I guess if you would say at its worst or, or you know, most detrimental when couples come into couples therapy and the realization that I help them see is that you guys have had differing expectations all this time around certain things. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of why you're here because I talk with couples all the time about oftentimes it's not that one person is right or wrong objectively. It's just that you guys have different preferences and those preferences are perfectly okay separately if you were single. Mm. But now that you're together with someone, you end up butting heads. So when it comes to this idea of dating, like it does ultimately need to be talked about because even just with dating, like I said, there's two categories. There's casually dating, which is I you know, am dating multiple people to get to know people to see who I want to exclusively date. So I might go to the movies here and dinner here. And that being clear so that the other person doesn't think you're just exclusively dating, which is just dating that person. But the dating process is an important process that I think we don't do enough of. Because mm-hmm. I call dating emotional, uh, r- romantic interviews. So it literally is screening the different candidates of who you might want to, yeah. you know, be serious with and build your life with. And so skipping that dating process, not a good idea. That's like not
0: interviewing a candidate for a job. I'm just like, okay, come on. Come on over here and work. And, like, Yeah, and I just, I tell my friends that, like, who want to, like, actually we were at an event a couple of days ago. We were having conversations around you know, dating and things of that sort. And I was suggesting you guys need to date multiple people because for me, like, I've always been that person who dates one person and sticks with it. But then as I grew older, I'm like, listen, I need to figure this out. Like, are you with me? Are you not? Let's date two or three people. Let's see if we like them. And then if we don't, we choose another three. You know, you just, and that doesn't necessarily mean you have to, you know, have sexual intercourse with them. You can just have those intimate conversations to see if that person is the person that you want to be with. Can you have that intellectual conversations? Is this the type of person that you want to have fun with? This person for different things? And you can have people for different things in your life. One that I call for great conversation, one that makes me laugh, one that likes to take me out, one for this, one for that. And I feel like people need to date that way. You can be a serial dater. You could call it whatever you want just as long as you know that you've tried it and you know what you like and don't like, which leads you to your person. Absolutely, 100% in every
1: way. I just think the casual dating step should not be skipped because what happens is people become committed to somebody who they then realize they have all these issues with because they didn't do the work in the casual dating area. But now you're putting your money together, you live in the same house, maybe you have kids. Like, it's a whole lot harder to extract yourself from a situation like that than if you were just dating them exclusively and like, okay, you know what? I realized it's not working
0: from the so, beginning. Yeah. 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 And then you were going on about the next step.
1: Yes. About the, the next phase of recovery. Yes. So that's the thriving phase. That's where you're looking to the future. That's the where you're having hope for the future. Because one of the things about a breakup is that it can really just take away your hope for the future. You start thinking, "Oh, I'll never meet somebody, or I'll never meet the right person, or again, if I have kids, who's gonna accept my kids?" Or, "Oh, I, you know, everything." And not just just in the dating aspect. Like I said, it can throw you off for career, for for you know, uh, mm-hmm. just things that you want to do with your life. So the thriving phase is when you are now. You're coming from the, from the just keeping it it together part. And you're like, you know what? I have hopes and dreams around a number of things. So one of the things that I like to do during the thriving phase is to really start doing like journaling and writing about things that you're looking forward to. One activity I do is, I call it the ideal partner list, where I just have people write down all the characteristics that they would want in the perfect person for them. So I I phrase it as, if you could wave a magic wand and have the perfect person for you standing in front of you, what would be all of their traits and characteristics? Physically, personality, life circumstances. And this really gets people to start thinking in ways that they haven't before around what they do and don't want in a, a partner and what they do and don't want in a relationship. This is so important because when we go back to the whole dating piece, this is the list you should have in the back of your head as you're meeting people and giving them your time and energy. Because if they're not checking off you know, these things on the list, you, it, you, it helps you know that you need to be gearing your attention and energy elsewhere and it helps you know that sooner than when you are too entrenched emotionally, but then on a logical level, realize that they're not the ideal person for you.
0: Yeah. And I think that go, I mean, this is like a therapeutic perspective as well, but people, some people are told that lists aren't really important. What is your perspective on that? Because it could be a slippery slope. Some people feel like, and when you have a list, people feel like, well, they have to check every single thing and have 35 things, which in fact is not realistic, but can they prioritize the things that they cannot go without in a relationship and say, hey, having these other things would be nice.
1: One hundred percent. So this list, there's a there's multiple stages or multiple questions that I have people ask around this list. It's used as a reflective exercise. So the next thing I have them do is they could have they could have 50 things on this list. And mind you, I'm talking about everything. So because people think, oh, 50 items. I'm talking about basic things like honest, respectful, because these are things that people are like, oh, that's a given. And we assume, I'm like, no, 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 you have to write that down because plenty of people are out here in relationships with people who do not respect them, who aren't kind to them, who aren't honest with them. So what I'm getting at is a lot of these things on this list are in quote, simple things. I'm not saying it's just extravagant things, but I then have them go down that list and they need to mark off what are the deal breakers. And I define the deal breakers as those things where if this person checked off almost everything else on this list, but this was not there, would you be able to c- consider having a life with them? And if the answer to that is yes, I still could, then that's not a deal breaker item. Right. If the answer is no, then that's a deal. Then it is a deal breaker. An example that I might use is, um, I don't know, some people, you know, when they're smoker versus, versus non-smoker, they may feel, okay, I need someone who doesn't smoke cigarettes, I can't deal with the smell or my asthma acts up, stuff like that. And so maybe this person's checking off a bunch of other things, but that's one thing where they're like, yeah, if they smoke for my health reasons or whatever, I really can't do it. That would be a deal breaker for you. So to your point, it's not necessarily about someone checking off every single thing on your list, but it is about them checking off your deal breakers because those are the things that you should not be compromising on because if you do you will likely have resentment or have issues in your relationship. Again, fast forward to couples coming in and coming to the realization that one or the other or both have held resentment towards the other person because they compromise on something very important to them.
0: Wow. Wow. I mean, that 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 that's so true. That is very true. Like a lot of people come in. I think that I, I, a lot of times I see that people are in love with the idea of someone. not who they truly are as an individual when you really dive in and dig deep because sometimes we tend to look at the surface and what we he's attractive he's handsome um he has a nice house he has a good car like he has all these things that i feel like are important to me but then he's not kind He's not respectful to you. He doesn't have boundaries. Things like that. They don't look into as far as, you know, as an individual person. And right. I'm sure you see that a lot.
1: No, absolutely. And it's not to say that those other things aren't important, because I yeah. always tell people we have the right to our preferences. So mm-hmm. you do need to know what you want, what you like. But yeah, it's one of those, it just comes down to that question of if they do have, you know, the money, the education, you know, the career. And also tell me lies all the time. Will that be okay? And it's like, and literally that's how you ask yourself the questions. Yeah. It, and and so the, rea- the the answer usually for most people is no. What I want is a person who does tell me the truth and also happens to have a good career. So then you know that's that's the type of person that you are seeking and you do the work to be in those places and meet those people and do the, the due diligence of getting to know people, the, you know, more intimately and more deeply hence the whole casual dating moving into exclusive dating piece but yeah like you said it's it's about checking all of those things so when i have people do this list i'm i have them initially put down whatever comes to mind and then i'm kind of coaching them through okay did you think about emotional support how do you feel about that affection you may be a highly affectionate person who likes kisses and hugs you may be somebody who's like "Eh, not so much what do you want your partner to be like in that area like all of these sort of things are factors
0: yeah, that's super important. So what are some things that you have learned from personal experience and as a clinician that can be helpful when healing from a heartbreak? Um,
1: So definitely, I have to acknowledge my feelings. Mm-hmm. I need social support of some kind, mm-hmm. somebody to vent to and talk to. Again, especially if you're a parent, you don't want that venting to be happening towards your children, Meaning, like, if, especially if they're older kids and you're just, like, spewing off with them about how you feel about it. Y'all know good uh, daddy, mommy. <laughs> exactly. So, you you need a friend or somebody. And if, if you have in, – and in maybe you start with a therapist. Like, because also in therapy, what – it's sometimes people go initially just have somebody to talk to, but they quickly learn that therapy is also going to be a part of helping you build those resources in your actual life. Meaning if you feel like you have nobody to talk to in therapy, I'm going to talk with you about how we get you people to talk to because you need those natural supports in your life. Um, It's, it's the, again it's it's the things of distracting yourself with your day-to-day stuff. It's doing I like to do vision boarding and gratitude journaling and things like that that help me look to the future of what I want because mm-hmm. ultimately the big step of healing after taking care of your initial emotional needs is to be looking to the future. That's how you get past the the present is mm-hmm. by building the future. So you have to uh gather that hope so that you can look towards what I want it to be. What do I want my future relationship to look like? What about this relationship was not good or did not work for me that I want to be different? And again, that starts of going into that ideal partners list because then you can write the opposite of those things
0: on that paper. Mm, okay. So how can clinicians assist in the conversation about talking about how to heal from a heartbreak? Because not all, you know, therapists specialize in, you know, relationships. How can they help their client? Because a client could come in and say, I'm depressed. I have anxiety because of my breakup. And sometimes we may deal with the depression and anxiety. But what about the healing part?
1: Right. Um, yeah, I think uh, clinicians can help by first letting people know that a breakup is a loss. And so it falls into the grief category like any other loss, a death, a loss of, of, of your, your health or mobility, any sort of big loss that a person may grieve. A breakup can fall into that category. And clinicians letting people know that goes a long way in people feeling like it's okay to go to therapy for something like a breakup because I think a lot of people don't feel like that's the case. Mm-hmm. And then from there, of course, therapists doing what they do best, which is listening to the person and validating their feelings. That I know this sucks. This is horrible. This is throwing you off probably more than you thought it would or feel like it should, which I think is a big mm-hmm. piece. Sometimes people have guilt, I think, and shame around that. And then, um, and yeah, and then that, then working through helping that person figure out what they need because that differs for everyone
0: Mm -hmm. in order to move forward. That's perfect. Perfect. And I appreciate you joining me and being so insightful on the information. I'm sure we'll have, we'll get together again. and I want to dig deep into the other (laughs) relationship things so that, you know, people are clear and understand because, you know, we live in the world of dating and then we live in a world of unhealthy dating. so we have to be able to address and give that information to other people so tracy if people want to know more about you and your cause i know we talked about it earlier but how can they reach you because now they know you know you you're full of information you're very insightful with everything that you're saying so how can they reach out to you
1: um yes definitely at therapist.tracy, that's therapist.traCIE is the best place that's where I'll be rolling out um the course that I'm creating or the program that I'm creating around healing from uh, healing from breakups and I'm planning to uh, be rolling that out next year so Instagram is definitely
0: the best place to find out about these things Awesome. So just reach out to Tracy to get more information. If you want to know more about her, definitely follow her Instagram because I know I do. So thank you for joining us on Silent Symptoms, a Black mental health podcast. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in please be sure to like, share, and subscribe to our podcast. You can catch us on Anchor and all your favorite media streams. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Silent Symptoms Podcast. Let us know if you have any feedback or topics that you would like to hear.